Welcome to the Southside Church Podcast, weekly content that inspires all of us to follow Jesus. Join us each week for a message from one of our fantastic communicators that provide practical ways to grow our faith, challenge ourselves, and to love others more. And now, this week's message. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. And if this is your first time joining us, we certainly hope it's not the last time. If you were with us last week, you know that today is the second part of a two-part interview with my dad, Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, Dad recently stepped down as the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Atlanta, where he served for 50 years and he just celebrated his 88th birthday. So it seemed like a good time to sit down and capture some of the stories and memories that, well, I've heard throughout my entire life. And I wanted to share some of those stories with you. So today we're headed back down to the In Touch studio to wrap up this two-part conversation. Before we do that though, um, I know that some of you are familiar with my dad's ministry. Um, Many of you are familiar with his amazing voice. What you may not be familiar with is his goal in life. From the very beginning, his goal has been to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, as simply as possible. And through the years, as we're about to discover, he has faced just about every kind of challenge you can imagine. And he's going to share some of those stories today. But throughout all of that, He has never taken his eye off the one thing he's felt God has called him to do. It has been his North Star from the very beginning and it continues to be his North Star to this very day. So here's part two of my interview with my dad, Dr. Charles Stanley. Um, This is my, maybe my favorite um, story about my dad and it was such a defining really a defining moment for me. So um, you were, had been uh, nominated to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. This was your f- the, for the first year. And there were um, some people who did not want you to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. 49% didn't. Yeah, 49% <laughs> of about 40,000 delegates, I think, that showed up that yeah. year. And so um, we were at a particular school and the president of that school was one of the people who really did not want my dad. He doesn't, didn't think my dad was qualified to lead the Southern Baptist Convention. So they had a press conference and uh, we were in a big boardroom. There were, it was packed full of the press. I mean, this was like a big deal. We were in um, Fort Worth and um, I snuck in the back and stood against the wall because I lived in Dallas and I had driven over and you were on one side of the table and he, this gentleman was on the other side of the table and he lit into you. I mean, it was hard for me to not want to come across the table, you know, and and wring his neck. He was so critical of you. Um, It was cruel. And there's all these microphones and, you know, people leaning in. And I remember standing there thinking, I was was across where I could see your face, and your face was so passive. You were so calm. I remember thinking, is he even listening? Because this guy was literally red in the face and you were just standing there or sitting there. Just, I mean, it was amazing. So when he finished, Peggy Waymeyer, I still remember her name, Channel 8 News in Dallas, leaned across the table with a microphone and she asked this question because the election was the next day, I believe. She said, Dr. Stanley, do you think you will win tomorrow? And you said, and it's still emotional, with this extraordinary peaceful look on your face, you said, if I win, I win. And if I lose, 
I win because my responsibility is to obey God and to trust him with the consequences. And you could have heard a pin drop. And of course, your opponent had no response to that because you had entrusted yourself as you have done your entire life into the hands of your heavenly father. If I win tomorrow, I win. But if I lose, I still win. Because the reason I'm running is because I feel like this is what God has called me to do. You want to comment on that a little bit? Because I know you remember that moment. Right. Well, it was a tumultuous time in the convention and largest convention in history. And uh, these, all the newspapers, the Baptist papers were writing and... And the secular press, they were all into it back then, yeah. And um, they found that I had been a Pentecostal and always been a Southern Baptist and on and on and on they went. And I wouldn't answer anybody's criticism, but I just kept quiet. And uh, so I took a a four-by-six card and I folded it and um, I wrote on it, Wait. You had it with you in that meeting? Yeah, I've never heard this. I just set that in front of me. On the table? Yeah. So that whatever they ask me, don't give them a quick answer, just wait. And so they were just giving me a hard time telling me why I couldn't be the president. Well, the truth is I didn't want to be. (laughs) Well, that's the other part of the story. He really didn't want to be. I mean, this was was just going to be a big hassle. You had a big church. You had a lot going on. And... um, yeah, this was not your, this wasn't something you had an ambition no. toward. Mm-hmm. So um, I put on their weight so that whatever they ask me, don't give them a quick answer. Just wait. And so they asked me, you know, suppose you lose. I said, I can't lose. Well, they laughed and she shoved each other, you know. And uh, so they asked, well, what do you mean you can't lose? I said, well, if I win, I win. And if I lose, I still win because my goal is to obey God, not to be the president. Yep. Dead silence. Yeah, that was it. That was the moment. And again, as a, I was uh, in graduate school, and again, I'd heard you say those things, teach those things, but to watch you apply it with all of that pressure and with all the energy in the room, it really was, it was just, it really was a defining moment, I think, for me in my faith and just in terms of how I've chosen to lead. So... Um, that was me. And I did win. And you did win. <laughs> and they were not happy. No, they weren't yeah. happy. But right. it didn't matter to me because I had one goal, obey God, leave all the consequences to him. Yep. And that leads us to another topic. I want to talk a little bit about your grandfather. So you, your father died when you were nine months old. Uh, your grandfather lived in Siler City, North Carolina. And you had an opportunity to spend some time with him. He was also a pastor or a preacher, and um, he had a, a tremendous influence on you. Can you talk a little bit about that, that time with him? Because again, it's one of those defining moments that we don't know is happening, but he sensed something in you and decided to invest in you. Those were some interesting conversations you had with him. I had only seen him twice before. I was getting ready to go to college, and I thought, I'm going I'm to go see my granddad who's been a pastor all these years. So he and I would sit in, sit, sit on his back porch, screened in back porch in a swing. And we just, and I just wanted to hear him talk. He talked about the Bible and characters in the Bible and the sermons and on and on he went. And um, 
one of the things he said was, we were talking about being obedient to God, and he said, um, if God tells you to run your head through a brick wall, when you get there, God will make a hole for it, which is his way of saying, he, he didn't interpret that, but the way I understood was, well, God will assume responsibility for whatever I do that's obedient to yep. him. So I walked away, and I remember riding, old, riding one of those old trailway buses home and thinking in my mind, obey God, and, you know, I had all kind of thoughts. Then obey God and leave all the consequences to him. I thought, well, you can't lose that way. Obey God, leave all the consequences to him. And so I would have to say, that is the statement that has governed my life, haven't been perfect, of course, governed my life all these years. Some big decisions, little decisions, obey him, leave the consequences to him. You can't lose. Right. That is the win. It's to go, this is what you taught me, to be able to go to bed at night and look up at the ceiling with a clear conscience and to know that things are good between me and my heavenly father. That's the win. That's right. That's the goal because we can't control outcomes anyway. And every time we try to control outcomes, we just mess it up and make things more complicated. So, um, and again, here, here is the gentleman who in that, you know, just a few days, I think you, you were about 17 years old, you told me when this happened. You had four or five days with him and he left his fingerprints yes. all over your life. His name, you're gonna think I'm making this up, but I have a witness. His name was George Washington Stanley, That's right? right? So my, your grandfather's George Washington Stanley, and little did he know that that little bit of investment um, in his grandson's life, here we are all these years later telling these stories and quoting him. So again, we never know who God's gonna bring along. And when there's that internal nudge to give this person a little extra attention, give this person some of your time, again, we never know how God's gonna use that. No. Switching gears a couple more times, I wanna talk about perseverance. Uh, this has been one of the themes in your life, not because you chose it, but because you didn't have, well, you did have a choice, but you were oftentimes left with two options, give up or persevere. Um, you've been through church splits, uh, betrayal. Um, you've had some health challenges. Um, and as, you know, I've had a front row seat to all of this, going all the way back to Miami, you know, to moving to Bartow, Florida, where we lived for 18 months. Um, the challenge of coming to Atlanta, when my dad came to the First Baptist Church of Atlanta, he came as the associate pastor, not the pastor, and see if I get this right. And when they showed him his office, you sat down and you went to open the drawer to the desk and? All the drawers were locked and no key. <laughs> All the drawers were locked, no key. And it's like, hey, welcome to the church. And so there was so, there, you know, there's so many stories related to that difficult transition. But you've always persevered. You've always gotten back up. You've always leaned in and just kept putting one foot in front of the other through extraordinary challenges that we don't even have time to talk about. And in some cases, they're really nobody's business. But talk just a little bit about perseverance because there are people watching, people listening, who especially in this season are going through some really, really difficult times. And you just feel like, hey, you know, I never get a break. It never goes my way. What's the point in praying? God's not listening. What's the point in remaining faithful? Um, God's not responding to my faith. What, what do you say to that person? And where did you find the energy or the confidence to just keep getting back up and moving forward? Well, because I believed with all my heart, if I obeyed God, 
he'd helped me through whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And I won't get into all those stories, but time after time after time, I watched God answer my prayer. Sometimes I thought, Lord, you're late. You're getting late. Mm -hmm. But he always came through at the right time, no matter what the situation was. And I've got lots of those illustrations. But And one thing also that helped me was I was excited to see what God was going to do next. Mm. Was, Even in the down times. In the down times, I think, okay, Lord, I've come this far. I've done what you told me to do. It doesn't look very good, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to see what happens. And without fail, God always brought me through every difficult situation. Some of them looked absolutely impossible. But I thought, God, you who you say you are, I'm going to trust you to prove it. Mm. Wow. Can you or will you tell the story? And this is a little bit off subject um, about the Easter message that you didn't have the night before Easter um, now, it, for some of you, this isn't going to be very relevant, but for those of us in ministry, this is a terrifying um, story. And the, the, uh, the context was you, I guess you had just begun a media ministry, In Touch had just launched. And, um, you know, broadcast ministry is very expensive. And there were multiple people doing broadcast ministries, and they spent a good portion of their time on the air asking for money. And so uh, In Touch had begun to grow. And you're at that place where, okay, we, we need resources if this is going to work. And then it was Easter. Easter coming. Well, usually by Thursday, I'll have an outline. For the following Sunday? Yeah. yeah. So uh, Thursday came, and I didn't have anything. It's like God shut up everything. And this was Easter Sunday. Easter this, Sunday yeah, This coming. is the Super Bowl for us, right? Yeah. And fr Friday, no sermon. Saturday morning, no sermon. Lord, now... What, Heavenly Father, I'm stumbling around <laughs> trying to figure out what, what, what am I going to yeah. do next. And Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, I'm on my face on the floor saying, God, I'm going to be horribly embarrassed. I don't, I, and you know that I, I could fill up an old sermon, but you won't let me do that. So finally I got on the floor and stretched that and just said, God, Okay, I don't know what you're saying, but please say it. Quick. Quick. And I wasn't even thinking about this. It's like the Lord said to me, you must never ask for one penny on the television or radio at all. You must never, never spend any time asking for money. You trust me, and I'll determine how far this ministry goes. So I struggled with that a little bit, and I thought, okay, God, You've always answered my prayers in some fashion. I commit myself right now never to ask for a penny, and I'll just see what you do. Well, I've never asked for a penny, and I, I don't have to tell anybody how far and wide it's gone. Yeah, but the pastors who are watching this are thinking, yeah, but what happened Easter? So what happened after you made that decision? <laughs> and the next morning, I was all fired up. Wow. Okay, uh, we're about to wrap this up, I want to just talk about something fun for a moment. You have a hobby um, that you are so passionate about that I think at times it rivals your love for ministry. So talk a little bit about the hobby that God has used to fuel you and to energize you, re-energize you, and allow you to see the world. Well, it has allowed me to see the world. Uh, photography is my hobby. And I think one of the primary reasons is 
I'm always looking through the camera lens and seeing what God's done. Mm. I, I've been places from the South Pole to you name it, and I'm always looking through the lens, and I'm always thinking, wow, God. Whether it's fall leaves or snow-covered mountains or beautiful creeks and rivers and all the places I've been, what it's done, it has given me the breaks that I needed. Mm -hmm. And when I go somewhere to take a break, I don't look back. I don't think about, wonder what's happening here, there, and so forth. So I'm very, very grateful to God that he's made that a part of my life. And it's, it's just been, it's been like nourishment to my soul. I see God and know it's, it isn't photography over here and preaching over here. I just see God in all of that. And so I couldn't be more grateful for all the places I've been, things I've seen. <laughs> and you're really, really good at it. And, and many people have seen some of your photography, but if you've ever visited In Touch, um, where he has some of uh, his uh, favorite um, photographs displayed. They're spectacular. And of course, you've done the, the calendar year after year after year. Um, and it really is intimidating. I, I, you know, it's, it, you're so good at it. And every once in a while, he'd say, hey, let's, I want to take you on a photography trip. We'll go on a short one, 10 days. I'm like, wait, you're, you're, you're the five-week vacation dad. It's a short, it's, 10 days isn't a short trip. But um, it, it's been amazing. And we have your pictures you know, hanging around in our home and so many other people do as well. So it's, it's just great that you've had that. And um, it really has not, not, not just been an outlet, but it really has become part of the ministry as you've been able to share those pictures and talk about some of the, the stories behind some of those pictures. And see, it's really not separate because here's a sermon over here that God's given. And here's a view of something that people would pass by and never see that I see. So it's all part of the same story. All right, let's wrap up with this. One of the other statements I grew up with is this. Andy, the most important thing in the world, the most important thing in the world is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Andy, no matter what else happens, no matter what else is going on, you know, good or bad, the most important thing in the world, the most important thing in your life is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Many people, when they hear that, they think about a moment in time that they put their faith in Christ and became a Christian. But that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about this ongoing intimacy with God, that it is the most important thing in our lives. So as we wrap up, would you talk just a little bit about that? And I think your story, your story growing up um, gives us context for why that's always been important to you. But what do you, what do you say to the person who they don't think in terms of a relationship with God or intimacy with Christ. What do you mean when you say the most important thing in your life is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, I mean exactly what that says. That is, we all have relationships with different people. And having a personal relationship with God means I'm connected 24 hours a day to the Creator, to the Savior, to the Lord, the Master, the one who walks with me, provides my needs, gives me joy, gives me strength to deal with issues in life. In other words, a personal relationship with him isn't something that comes and goes when you go to church. It's you wake up with him, you go to sleep with him talking to him, you wake up talking to him. All during the day you see him in this, see him in that. You, you, you're interpreting life from the viewpoint that God has taught you to look at things. 
And that viewpoint's going to be always scriptural. He'll never tell you to do something that's unscriptural. So what that does, it makes it possible for you to be happy mm-hmm. in difficult times and feeling uh, confident and bold and whatever's going on, you're going to make it. You're, you're, you'll get through with it. So it, it provides the, the foundation for my happiness, mm-hmm. my joy, and I am a happy man. I am a joyous person. And so I just see all that as a part of God building something in me, teaching me how to understand him better. And, and, and I, I come home excited about something I'm going to show you that God's made, that God has done. So I'm happy. Yeah. It's the most important thing in your life is, is your, your personal, personal relationship, relationship with Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, Dad, as we close, um, I would love for you to pray for us. And um, I got, I received so many things from you. One of the things I didn't get is your voice. People <laughs> love your voice, and I love your voice. And so um, I would love for you to close by using that fabulous voice to close us in prayer. Would you do that? Well, thank you for giving me this time with you. and. Thank you for growing up, being who you are. And I couldn't be more proud of you and Beck and how God has used both of you all in the most wonderful way. And so when I look back and think, well, Lord, I must have made a lot of mistakes, but you must have overlooked them, Lord, because look what you've done. Mm -hmm. So I want to say thank you for being Andy. Well, I appreciate that. It's it's my honor. I don't know who else to be. (laughs) Would you pray for us? Yeah, Father, how grateful we are that you never change awesome God that you are. Everything your word promises you are, you demonstrated day after day after day. Would you bless this time that we've had together? May it be an awesome encouragement to parents and people, Lord, who are raising their kids in difficult situations and people who are just trying to decide, Lord, what kind of God you are. I pray that all that we've talked about will help them to be able to realize You're an awesome God, gracious, good, loving God, willing to take us through difficulty, hardship, and pain, willing to always bring us through, blessed, blessed by your graciousness and kindness toward us. Thank you, Father, for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, imagine going to bed every night and having that voice praying over you as you fell asleep. You know, growing up, it wasn't uncommon for people to ask me, hey, Andy, what was it like to have Charles Stanley as your dad? And I would always say the same thing. I would say, I don't know, because he's the only dad I've ever had. But now that I am a dad, I have so much more perspective. And of course, I have so much gratitude. As he uh, just illustrated, you know, every challenge we face in life is eventually just a story that we tell. And one of the things I learned from my dad is to make sure that I'm writing a story worth telling. He certainly has. And the other thing he taught me by way of example is that our current chapter or your current chapter is not the final chapter. It's not the whole story. So don't give up, keep going. God always has a plan. And as my dad would say, his ways are best. So what was it like to grow up with my dad as my dad? It was amazing. And I hope someday my kids will say the same thing about me. And if you have kids, I hope your kids will say the same thing about you. That's it for this week. As always, thank you so much for joining us. We will see you right back here next time. And in the meantime, write a story that you'll be proud to tell.